You ever have that experience where like an actor dies and you thought he was already dead? So you're like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) My condolences. Hey, we're back, Tony. No putts given. How you living? Golf by T, golf by C. We're back. I was in Ireland for the week. Apologies if you missed me, but it was incredible. And we're back, Tony. How's your world? Same. I didn't go to Ireland. That sucks for me. Next time. Next time. Next time. Quick question, Tony. Do you know that the last letter added to the English alphabet was the letter J? I didn't. Why would I know that? No idea. But maybe you can use that the next time you're at a dinner party and you need something <laughs> interesting. We're starting to wind down here on the PJ Tour season and as much as i try to get excited about the fedex cup playoffs i just i'm not not a fan of manufactured events yeah it just there's other big kind of topical stuff going on and i get going from 125 players to to 70 in the first event created a little drama particularly for one justin thomas um he ultimately will not be part of the playoffs for the first time believe in his PGA Tour career. But like I said, there's some bigger stuff going on and and wanted to get your take on this because what are people paying attention to if not manufactured playoff events? So how big of a deal is Tiger jumping on the PGA Tour policy board? I feel like this is one that didn't necessarily get buried, but I don't know if it got the the fans there. It's just one of those things where if not for all of the chatter with the PIF merger and all that stuff, I think all of us just would have assumed he was already on the board. <laughs> just so I was like, hey. you ever have that experience where like an actor dies and you thought he was already dead? So you're oh. like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, My condolences. Yeah, uh, same type of situation. Because it's Tiger, it's news, but... we'll see right it's one of those things we don't actually know what it means it sounds like it means something but yeah as always yeah yeah, it sounds like you'll have potentially more input on again just the existence of whatever the pga tour is or looks like or does in its next iteration but one of my biggest questions with with tiger is now that he has gotten to this point in his career meaning he doesn't, there's nothing left for him to prove. He's not going to win 19 majors and okay, whatever. From a career standpoint, from an impact standpoint, he doesn't have anything left to prove. Yet, I still feel like players look up to him. The modern PJ Tour is, for all intents and purposes, a function of what Tiger has created. So does this give him a tremendous amount of, opportunity to impact what the PJ tour now looks like moving forward. Is he going to become de facto <laughs> I mean, more important? Maybe, than... but if there's anything we've learned from this merger or proposed merger is that the PGA tour does whatever the hell it wants. And it doesn't necessarily consult with the players. This is not a democracy. And whether you put tiger on the board or not, I'm not sure that it changes the underlying structure of anything. So I said maybe, but again, I just feel like the tour is going to do what the tour wants, and right. maybe this is just for show as much as anything else. Just lend credibility uh, to what appears to be a next phase, uh, given that how we got here does not 
appear to be credible in any real way. Right. So maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I, uh, I'm not convinced the the PGA Tour is going to change unless it's truly forced to. Yeah. And if there's a person that can impact, I think, change inside and outside of a true designated role or the roles and responsibilities of that exact position, I think Tiger transcends a, a lot of that. And he's the only player that even potentially could. But like you said, we'll see. And if not, like I said, I'm not super excited for the PJ Tour playoffs. I get it. But I am, however, really excited for the Ryder Cup. I love the Ryder Cup. I love the back and the forth, the pomp and the circumstance, the picking of sides. I do. Just everything about the Ryder Cup I love, which, okay, it's going to be, we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of who's going to be on the cup. Who's on the team on the U.S. side? You got six automatics and six captain's picks, and that's where it's going to get interesting, I think. If it ended today, which, again, I know it doesn't, but if it ended today, Let's say your top six were something to the effect of Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, Xander Schauffele, and Patrick Cantley. That would be your six, roughly, that are locked in. After that top six, where do you go? Who do you yeah. got, Tony? Yeah, I'm not deeply focused on these type of things. So I'm looking at your list here and, and knowing that the question we're getting at here is... So you so you got Homer Young, Spieth, Bradley, Morikawa, Fowler. And if then, you just went straight down the list, top twelve, do you make your captain's picks just the next twelve? Or sorry, I mean, the next... I feel like I don't know how you argue against Homa at this point. Cam Young's hard to argue against. Spieth, maybe impossible to argue against. Keegan Bradley, maybe. Maybe you can make an argument there, right? But he's been mm-hmm. hot. Morikawa, I don't think you can argue against. So I think Fowler and Bradley are maybe the two you look at if we're gonna we're gonna buck the rankings, so to speak, and right. trust our gut on something. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two, maybe, that you look at. How much because I know there's rankings and, and there's two players specifically I'm gonna ask you about here being Bryson and JT, Justin Thomas, but when you look at these things, how much do you take into account or how much would you take into account things like, you know, team dynamics? I get if you qualify and you're one of the top six, great. But with so much of it, potentially with foursomes and four balls and those two man teams and having a lot of comfort maybe with that partner, does that maybe move somebody up the rankings a little bit where, okay, maybe Spieth and JT need to play together and yeah, maybe man, you look and I, say I, I, don't, I, I don't know who I'd pair this person with I Is guess there's better? something to be be said for feeding off each other's energy right that was the value of Patrick Reed uh, back when he was slightly less detestable than he is right now right there, there's an energy that he brought to it and I guess you can make that argument but you're looking at like how JT's playing, for example. I, I don't know how you can, in good conscience, bump him way up. Who do you take to, out, to put him It's getting yeah, to that point that's... where, okay, great. I can see arguments for JT being on the team. But but make me the argument of booting somebody else, and it gets a little Bingo. tricky. Yeah. And so I guess you know, that's if, – if you're going to choose, for example, between Bryson and JT at this point, I think – 
The numbers say it has to be Bryson, the mm -hmm. way he's playing right now, for sure. But chemistry, right? He's an odd duck. I don't know how well he fits in with these guys. I'm guessing certainly not as well as, as JT does. He seems, and, and having been around when just in the background when he's been on the range a couple times through the years, like he's everybody's best friend out there. That's just mm -hmm. like how it appears from an outside position. So sure. from a chemistry if you're coming from that argument, that's the one argument you can make for JT. But, I, man, I just don't know who you kick out at this point. Yeah, and there's also... But, again, if you're looking at the list, I think it's Bradley and, and Fowler are maybe the ones that would probably be on the bubble, so to speak. Yeah, I just... It's hard for me to look at that top 12 and make an argument against taking anybody out in favor of... I get, again... I get the arguments, I get the legacy kind of stuff or whatever, but I think bottom line is I think JT would admit he hasn't played well enough, and he could let Zach Johnson, captain, right off the hook a little bit if he went to him and said, hey, I know you're going to get a lot of heat for this, blah, 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 but don't pick me. Just leave my name. I get it. I understand where it's at, but these guys that have, have qualified for the team, they qualified, they're there. I'm whatever he is, 30 years old, right around 30 probably has more opportunities to earn his way in. And the last thing you want is to be a controversial captain's pick, maybe get in. And then what if he plays the way that he's played the last month? Yeah. And that That's feels a, like this Ryder cup thing. It almost feels like it becomes a legacy. Almost like it's a Supreme court pick. Once you're on, you are there until you're, you just, Till you lifetime not to be, it seems like that. Yeah, <laughs> right. it really right. seems that way, and it, it absolutely shouldn't be. And right. yeah, I think, has JT earned the spot this time around? It's I can't make an argument for anything beyond past chemistry. And sure. I guess, right, if you want to trust your gut and go with that, okay. But yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know who your gut lets you boot. Is there any reason or is there any argument to me that Bryson ends up on this team. Let's say that the we're looking at kind of those same 12 names. Man. Is there anyone you look there and say, hey, absolutely, Bryson should be on, and it's clear that so-and-so should not. Is there any way in your mind that Bryson ends up on this team? I don't see so. I don't see it. Because, again, you want to make the chemistry argument, right? That's your starting point. And, you know, and, and I think maybe there is some lib division there, but just in terms of a personality type, I think mm -hmm. Kepka is probably a better fit, as odd as that seems. And you, you can't make an argument against Kepka anyway. Like he's no, he's probably going to get in automatically anyway. He should, right? And and yeah, like I can't make an argument against him any way, shape, or form. But Bryson, I think if you're going to argue the chemistry, and again, who do you bump? And, yeah. And granted, Bryson being on live hasn't gotten the the fair ride or or at least an equal ride in terms of OG, uh, OWGR opportunities. Sure. But I, I, I can't I just I can't see where you take a guy out again. Yeah, probably Bradley, probably Fowler. One of those two, if you're going to. And I want Ricky on there. I yeah. want Ricky on the team. So okay. I'm saying, eh, no. All right, Tony, this has been the year. I'm calling it the year of the putter streak. It's the year of these crazy putter moment. Like, it, we're moving in bunches. Like, okay, so we had Odyssey, right? We had Jailbird, and it was like. You're like, and we will never see another run like that again. Nope, we're not going to see anything like that until the next week or two. And specifically what I'm talking about right now are lab putters. We've talked <laughs> about these some because we've tested them. 
and 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 they're a little mercurial. Some people love them, some people don't. But as I was watching this weekend, and and I think a couple people noted or made mention, like how could you not notice Adam Scott, Ben on the eventual winner, Lucas Glover, who's a story unto himself. He is maybe the poster child for what lab golf I think can do for some golfers, but here we are again and we're streaking. It's a lab streak. And it's, it just feels like, you know, say, suddenly I feel like lab is everywhere. And I know this is definitely not one of these overnight success stories by any sure. means. They've been grinding at it for a while, but it just does seem now like it's, it's not uncommon to see them on tour. I'm starting to see them in people's bags. And so, yeah, maybe this is the start of a heater for lab. Well, I wonder too, a little bit, if it take a guy like Lucas Glover, reputation long-term. <laughs> just talked Phenom- about him two weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah. Phenomenal ball striker, has been, just wears out the center of the face. Admits that basically had a decade of struggling with the yips. If you really want some nightmare fuel, you can look up some of his missed putts inside three feet. And it's not to try to kick somebody while they're down or anything, but he fully admitted. And, and he said, this has been an issue. I've tried everything. I've literally tried everything because if you've ever struggled with something like that, how frustrating and debilitating that can be. And I can't imagine being a world-class golfer. He won 2009 Beth Bay. He won the U.S. Open. He, he this guy's played at the most elite levels of the game in spite of standing over a two or three foot putt and probably being more nervous than the people watching it. And for him to go from that to a guy who looks supremely confident over any putt, you go, oh my word. Is Lab Golf maybe the best putter for bad putters? Is this, is that a tagline? Maybe that's a tagline. I don't know. But like, (laughs) is it the best putter? Adam Scott, not too different. Had always struggled with some of those things. I I just wonder if you're going to see other players that are maybe struggling a little bit here and there because these guys have broken that mold. Hey, man, whatever gets it in the hole, who cares? Yeah, I think it probably, Lab has probably reached that point now of whether you've always been a bad putter at the tour level. Comparatively right. speaking, or, or if you're a newer bad putter, <laughs> all of a sudden you're just the putting game is off. What can I go to to mix it up, get a different feeling, get a better result? Uh-huh. I think Lab may be moving up that list pretty quickly of kind of the all right, what can I look at to maybe fix this if I'm a tour pro? Yeah, yeah. and if so, you talk, you still about have one in the bag. I use it, I do, I really like it. There, there's a couple little tweaks I want to make to mine, but. By and large, I don't know if I want to go with the 45-inch one. Emphasis on the large. Emphasis on the large. But I think Lab would probably argue it's not that people are bad putters. They would probably say, we remove some of the things that are probably forcing you to be more inconsistent than you should be. And there's all these obstacles you have to overcome, and our putters eliminate those. Again, I'm putting words in their mouth, but I would imagine... That's what they say. But, man, you talk about a big break, if you will, and every company wants those. You can't plan for them. Just even if you get gear in players' hands, there's no guarantee they're going to win or do anything remarkable with it or anybody's going to notice. And like I said, if this kind of becomes the default of, hey, I'm struggling with my putting, this I'm going to try this, 
And if the top of that list is lab, this thing could reach a fevered pitch relatively quickly. I, and I've been, I'm like, oh man, do I need to try one of these? Is it finally time I try one? But as you're curious, test- you're lab curious. Well, I've been testing out the Swing U app. As you- yes, I do. Yeah. So I've got a handful of rounds in there. Guess what my putting handicap is right now? Take a shot. You're minus two. You're like a, you're like losing two strokes around. Plus 4.8. Shut up. It's, so the only, I mean, put- it's, it's the only thing saving me right now. I've been on my own little hot streak with a putter, but well, then I'd say stick with it. And as soon and as that's just it. That I was putter. like, "What am I going to do with this? <laughs> this is not. There's no room. That's unbelievable. I mean, can you drive? Can you hit it off the tee? That may be my best option. Also, based on the data, can I use it out of a bunker? There's uh, only one way to find out, Tony. Lab. Anyway, time to next. Do a lab. Next, we had a lot. We've had a lot of equipment come out here over the last week or two. You and I were. It feels like a mini January in some regards. We get embargoes every other day, but it's this beginning of quarter three, second half of the year. Still more than usual, though. More than usual. I love it. Love it. So we're going to dive into a couple ones here really quickly. But before I do that, back to our boy Bryson. He used a crank driver this last week, and he he spoke of it the way that people would speak about their firstborn child generally, just glowing with praise and adoration of this driver, basically saying, I can hit it on the heel, I can hit it on the toe, I can hit it anywhere, and it goes down the... How big of a deal is It's that? a big deal for Crank. Not exactly what you would consider a PGA or live, right? Whatever the tour is. It's not right. exactly a... Stroke a play event brand. type of Right, situation. obviously... Very well known in long drive circles. And mm-hmm. so in that respect, when you think mm-hmm. that, consider that Bryson to an extent has basically evolved into a long driver who is an exceptionally competent tour golfer, It's it, it makes sense. I don't know if everybody should go out and buy a crank driver right now. I think that's, I think we're very early into this experiment. And as we've seen yeah. Bryson's Bryson tends to have these peaks and valleys where everything is awesome right up until the second that it isn't. Right. Uh, driver sucks. But <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll right. see. We'll see. Yeah. Pump your brakes on it a little bit, but uh, there's a couple intriguing elements here. And, and again, there's not too many guys that fight the, call it the 190 and up ball speed range continually. We're getting to see more of those, but could this become more of a thing for guys that are, at the absolute elite levels of swing speed and looking at clubs that are, again, built for long drive competition with some of the technologies, maybe bulge and roll architectures being slightly different. Could there be something there that might be advantageous for the for that particular group? Maybe, but is it a big deal for Crank? Yeah, we were talking on our conference call earlier today thinking their phone might be ringing off the hook. They may have gotten a nice little boost, so... We'll I don't see. know about off the hook, but it'll be a, a busier than usual Monday, I would think. I would imagine. Apex Pro Family came out last week, waiting, hearing. Give us, and again, well, in the after show, we're going to get much more in-depth on a lot of the technical details and things of these products. But give me a quick rundown, overview, Callaway Apex Pro Family. Yeah, it's, it is what you would consider to be a, a classic 
pro family architecture, if you will. The three model, the one, two, and then uppercut three punch kind of approach. So you've got the Callaway Apex Pro, which is your player's cavity back, but it's got plenty of technology, right? You get your urethane microspheres if you're into that sort of thing. The, the CB is a true CB, not a huge tech story there, replaces the tour cavity back in the lineup that was exceptionally popular. Good look, and there is the way they've done it, and you're seeing this with everybody's lineup now. They're built to be blended combo sets, so yep. there's a, a common aesthetic that flows through. And then then you have the Blade, the MB, and I, yes, I looked at do. this, and I actually, because I, I had it, I was taking pictures, had it on the gauge, and this thing is... You look at the cavity back and it has this really sleek, modern design. Again, like mm -hmm. blends with the rest of the Apex Pro family. Yep. And then you look at that from a dress or you look on the face on view and it is, this is a small MB, what I would call like a classic blade shape. Modernized perhaps a little bit, but classic blade shape. And it is absolutely no nonsense. I, I was looking at this. I, I was texting Johnny Wonder about it. I'm like, yeah. this thing is incredible. Like I would not for a second dream of putting in then putting any of them in the bag maybe a nine and a, a pitching wedge maybe if i'm having a moment of levity or something but yeah <laughs> serious blade all in all just yeah i like it I, I like what i see for sure yeah i think again we'll talk more about this later but the commonalities that we're seeing both from a blended set identity platform that the companies are really leaning into to like you said that one two and uppercut kind of being a some type of a classic muscle back-ish forged iron that places forgiveness off to the side, but is the absolute. <laughs> like not for, yeah, for only skilled players need apply. And then a true middle of the road player's cavity back for that person that wants everything that that kind of means and, and it is really feeling a sense of, yeah, I, I've played this. I love it. I know what it is. I know what it's going to give me. It's fantastic. And then the uppercut being like, how do we take that player's cavity back and add a little caffeine to it? Where are we going to amplify performance a little bit? Is it going to be in the four or five irons like we Callaway did with this one with maybe going with a little springier face, maybe adding some things internally to the cavity to maybe boost ball speed a little bit. Like I said, it's that one, two punch and the third, the uppercut has a little more caffeine to it. So, yeah, I think I will talk about this more in the after show for sure, but it is industry interesting for an industry as a whole that you would think, and they tell you exists in their own pockets, right? In their own sure. worlds. Like we're working on this and somebody else has their own little thing. And then these releases come out and you see these commonalities with it. Almost everybody has overlapping talking points and they do change sure. a little bit from year to year, but it's just strange when everybody comes out with a similar story for a given year. So anyway, mm -hmm. we'll see more of that. What's next? And that kind of shifts us right into titles T-series. So what I guess- That is not the that, order that's on the sheet, but that's fine. That's not the order that's on the sheet, but I'm calling it audible. Omaha. I'm nothing if not adaptable. Where do you see the commonalities? Because you, you brought it up. So take let's take Titleist T-Series irons. We wrote about it. We can link to it, blah, blah, blah. You got 100, 150, 200, and 350. So you got four models there compared to the three. If you, but okay, fine, whatever. Um, where do you see some of those commonalities or, or kind of pieces of overlap? We'll, we'll talk about some other commonalities when we get into the TaylorMade P790 part of it. But Ooh, as we speak yes. directly to Apex, this 
I don't want to say hyper-focused, but more of a focus on the idea of you, not only do we give you the option of blending irons, like we give you three models if you're Callaway, four if you're Titleist. And the idea is you mix and match between the sets to, to build the set that is ideal for you. Uh-huh. Callaway is talking about that. Titleist certainly talking about it and really emphasizing the fact that this isn't just an option. This is something you probably should do. With sure. Titleist, right, we talk about the idea of gapping based on five mile an hour as a swing speed. And for ball speed every, right? Excuse me, ball speed, yes. Ball speed, good catch. Five mile an hour of ball speed differences. Yep. And understanding that almost invariably for every player, there is a point in that iron set where you cannot achieve that five mile an hour gap. So in your case, you got fit into a T200. In the five iron, yep. Right. So that's and, where I couldn't generate five mile an hour difference. I could going from the seven iron to the six iron in the 150. But then when I tried to go to the five iron in the 150, I was getting like three miles an hour difference. I couldn't get there. So that's why we went to the 200. And then right at the 200, boom, had my five miles an hour. And that's how I ended up in a hybrid. It's the reason why Justin Thomas doesn't play full MBs. Likewise, Max Homa has a point where he can't, he has to make a change and go with something a little faster in his bag as well. I think mm -hmm. for him, it's the four and the five. I have to double check. I have it in the article. But point being, it doesn't matter. It's not just average golfers. These are the best golfers in the world. And they have that same issue where there is a point in the bag where that mm -hmm. five mile an hour is just for whatever reason, not attainable with, I guess, what you call the stock iron. And so right. that is the point where they break and, and move to a different model. Yeah. So you got four models there. And again, you're going to see that similar idea, like you said, of creating launch and flight and spin characteristics that players need not so much oh okay i'll just split the set here but actually having a real clear reason for doing it is that instead of oh i think i need more forgiveness from the six right. down so let's <laughs> do it there versus and that can be a reason to do it but have something that is is very concrete very measurable and go yeah look we want you at five mile an hour you're only getting three let's go to something faster here yeah. Where does TaylorMade P790 fit into all of this discussion? Given that, it again, it, it's one iron, but it's new. It's a new launch. We got, these are big families in golf. These are big time launches, right? These are lines that have done exceptionally well for these companies over the last several years. And Apex, I think, I mean, yeah, 790 Apex, in particular is, I would say almost inarguably the prototype for the game improvement category. Like it is what sets the standard. It defines the category. And I'm not saying it is the first, but we can argue about that. I know some people who certainly would, but mm -hmm. it is, in my opinion, the category defining iron for players distance. And again, relatively okay. new category. seems like P790 has been there almost from day one. Now sure. fourth generation and it's, we're iterating, if you will, but yeah. their crossover with, and, and TaylorMade has talked about comboing for a while, right? The first sure. that I saw that actually gave you a, a full chart that was basically, if you want to, all of the P's, I can't keep track. And the idea is if wherever you want to make the break, they'll help you by telling you how to bend it and things like that. So they've had this combo chart out for a while. And, and now they're building on that, like everybody else is, right? Talking about comboing and the idea, for example, that even on tour, right? Guys who may not have a full bag of P790s, nobody sure. on the PGA tour does, right. but you're seeing them as long iron replacements to, to pair with 770s and MBs and whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be. You got that feel story this year. 
So we've already talked about speed foam air, which I think if I don't say is 69% lighter than the previous iteration going back two generations. So same as the prior model, but before that, 69% lighter. If I don't say that, they send somebody to my house, strong words, <laughs> maybe get smacked around a little bit. And then as you can see, we've got some pretty wild stuff going on the inside here. So uh, yeah. this, like a lot of the stories we're hearing this year, going back to yeah. Titleist, for example, about, yeah, yeah. so up here, this business up here, these honeycomb patterns, Yep, that's helping save weight, thick, thin geometry. We've seen okay. that before, but yep. now we're getting into these shapes. So this is the three iron. We'll, uh -huh. we'll jump to we'll jump to the nine, but trust me, they're all different. So that's a nine okay. iron. Okay. Yep. So this sound bar here, radically yep. different placement, and then you know, when you get into like a wedge, nothing going on, hollow body, nothing. but it's all yep. about again. This is a feel story. That's half of the story, right? In better feel throughout. Heavily driven by AI. Uh -huh. Interesting choice of words by TaylorMade that this is their most extensive use of AI for any in-market product, current in-market product. Okay. So I think probably <laughs> early next year, we'll see some more, some seriously heavy AI influence that they're going to talk about. But in-market, this is the thing. Big feel story with this. And then from a performance standpoint, the ripple here is, and this is one of those things where, again, much like Tiger Woods, if you didn't know, you would have assumed. But they have <laughs> done some work on the center of gravity progression now, such that the long irons have the lowest center of gravity, and it progressively gets higher as you move into the middle irons. And right. again, while you would think that's the way it was or certainly should have been, it hasn't been that way with P790 yeah. until now. Sure. So yeah, or maybe think, not as much emphasis on... Yeah, subtle that, thing, right? but I, th I think it's probably going to be a big difference maker in terms of performance, so... Yeah, three huge releases in, in the iron space. No doubt we may have another one or two coming up here that we've that we've heard about. We maybe have even seen some pictures of. The release rejuvenation season is not over. Mm -hmm. It's coming. More to come. We're going to be coming. running steady at one a week at least, sometimes two through the rest of the month. Crazy. Stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. Speed golf. I have questions. You're running through a forest, Tony. No. Speed golf. Combo set builder. Strixon just came up. The thing they have on their website now to help people do exactly what we're talking about, which is, okay, if I am going to combo a set, where should I split it? What, which I get the concept. I get the idea. That's awesome. But how do I know which irons to go where and where, when and where should I switch? How good of a, an idea is that? It's solid. It's ideally perfect world, right? You sort this out in a full-on fitting like we did mm -hmm. when we went to Titleist to see the breakdown. But if you don't have that ability to go out and hit a seven iron, a five iron, having a tool that provides some sort of automation and intelligence to help you make that decision, it's better than not having it. I really liked it. I think because you can enter just a couple uh, pieces of information very quickly, super user-friendly, Gives you the recommendation. I give uh, Strixon kudos for coming up with that, putting it right out there. I think it helps the average consumer a lot, particularly if you don't know where and when or how you want to explode a set. So I love that as well. You're still parsing through the layers and layers of ball test data, which I'm sure your aspirin bill, your Advil bill has gone up significantly this month. Give me a teaser. Give me something that's come out of there that, that I should be excited Give me something. 
initial look at the data. We've got some crunching to do, but yeah, certainly yeah, at, 100 know, and, at 115 miles an hour, our results do not align with the the graphic LA Golf pumped out in terms of how it fared relative to three Titleist balls. Mm. Certainly, that's not to say it is not a bad ball or that it's a bad ball or that it's not even a long ball. Just we were unable to replicate that at 115. We'll see how it shakes up at the other swing speeds. Okay. I think the wet versus dry on a full wedge swing is going to be eye-opening. We're seeing significant differences based on construction of the ball, in some cases based on paint. And oh. yeah, and when I say okay. significant, in some cases we're pushing a thousand. Let me actually, I will pull up a stat for you. And again, pull let's, it up. Let's here bear in mind. Let's bear all the things in is... mind. Preliminary data review subject to change. I get it, but yeah. so let's on... go with this one. We'll vary. We're going to go to the 35 yard wedge test. How about that? Ooh, okay. So yeah, 35 to... yards this is a 35 yard wedge shot. I think mm-hmm. worked out to, to hit it 35 yards of the robot had to swing 37 miles an hour. Okay. Even at that short a distance, we found a 2100 RPM spin difference between the highest and lowest spinning. So a that's, you know, shot, 35 yards. That's shot. basically like a driver speed between them <laughs> or a driver spin between them in some cases. And this is pretty remarkable to me anyway, given that we are talking about a 35 yard shot, 37 miles an hour. Going to reiterate that pretty easy swing in the grand scheme of things. Seven degrees of launch between the highest and lowest launching balls under those conditions. So to, to sit there and say that the golf ball doesn't matter in certain, certain circumstances, we know we see it off the driver, we see it off irons, and even on short little wedge shots, not just yeah. looking at spin, obviously that's a pretty significant spin difference, but just the changes in launch angle too are wild. I love it. So stay tuned, more results to come, probably still a week or two out on, on a, a lot of that stuff, but... Like I said, stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. I'm jumping a category here. Editor's Choice came out. Do you have a favorite category in there, Tony, that you wanted to share? Oh, I think, let me bring it up. There's so many. This is always fun because it's a chance for us to do something other than just go stare at the data and and pick a winner based on that. I love to be able to give some opinion on things. And some of it, like I said, and I mentioned in this article, driver was hotly contested. The one that... I think for me out of all this, because a lot of these are are strictly, I don't want to say, they're based on the paths to an extent. This is stuff we tested. It is concrete for the most part. We know what we're going to know, for example, about the Cobra Aerojet LS, which was the pick yeah, for our for driver of the editor's year. choice for driver. So for me, it's always the technology. Ooh, um, interesting. I'm always fascinated by the technology of the year to see how we do with that. And if what mm-hmm. we pick has staying power, we got... We got blasted going back several years when we talked about PXG's goo, right? Like they were the only company at that time that had goo in the lineup and and people were like, oh, this is nonsense. And now not only is hollow body taken off, but you have various forms of filling that are in use throughout the industry. So that one had staying power. And for me, it's okay. Can we find something that that will have staying power? And so this year I went with Sportsbox AI, which is... As the name suggests, an AI app, it's primarily at this point used for swing analysis, 3D motion capture, like identifying what you're doing in the swing. You work with a Sportsbox AI instructor to help tune that, rectify it, you know, whatever you want to describe it. And mm-hmm. it's cool 
I think to an extent at this point, as I mentioned, maybe a product in search of an audience, but why I chose Sportsbox AI was in talking to people in the industry and in different aspects of the industry, like this, it just keeps popping up in ways that go about beyond an instructional tool. And one of the things that we know in, in talking with just about every manufacturer is they're trying to analyze the golf swing at the individual level to understand if a golfer does this and this, and in an ideal world, this, right? All these different permutations and com combinations. If a golfer right. does this, then we know that this product is probably going to work for them. And so the better golf companies can get at understanding how various elements of a swing impact how a driver, an iron, whatever performs in the real world, like that is the holy grail. And I, I keep hearing about sports AI and other technologies like it starting to crop up in fitting applications and understanding, again, if golfers are doing this, then this is the right product or likely to be the yeah. right product. So I think, yeah. again, infancy, but I think that this is the foundation of a future fitting technology. And that's ultimately why I leaned into it. Love it. I love it. Here's my hot take for speed golf. Last week, like I said, I was in Ireland. I went to Old Head Golf Links. Is there a new yeah. head? I, I looked. Couldn't find one. Couldn't find so one. This could just be called head and it would be fine. I don't know. I don't okay. have a good answer for that. Anyway. But it, I talked to a couple people there and they said that Old Head was better than Pebble Beach. From a, not necessarily the history, because Old Head does not have the same history and longevity and stories to tell. It doesn't have that to leverage, but you have 500 foot cliffs that you're playing alongside. It is the most remarkable looking golf course I've ever, ever seen in person, bar none. And there are going to be people out there that argue with me. And I get it. I totally get it. But... Whew, it's word, philosophical, honey. right? Whether you like nope. your golf courses that are... Nope, not philosophical at all. This is majestic <laughs> People's mindsets, right? I've if you look seen. at the big picture, you have people who like these pristine, <laughs> almost manicured sure. kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And then you yeah. have golf courses that were carved, that appear to be carved as if by nature in many cases, just mm -hmm. through the terrain. And I think pebbles may be a mix of each of those elements, whereas... I get it. Yeah. Some the, the most of the seaside stuff, man. It's it's almost like nature put it there with just a little bit of help. So I'm with Ooh. you. I'm it with you. Amazing. It it also made me want to uh, just remind people that this was my favorite piece of travel gear on the trip. Have you ever seen one of these, Tony? The UGB. Yeah. The no. Ultimate. It's, ultimate garment bag. It is an amazing for like just a, a two day trip for me. That's my go to. Fits underneath the seat, which is nice because on those commuter si uh, jets that I fly from Albany to Detroit very often, mm -hmm. there's no overhead bin space. Mm -hmm. Fit a ton of stuff on it. I can take it on a plane without having it repoed at the gate. Right. So, yeah, right. big win. And once you unzip it, right, it has this cool structure. You unzip it, it folds open, and then it has a zipper through line where you could put like a – like I had to take a blue blazer with me in a suit coat or a suit coat and, and a Your nice garments. Shirt. Garments. Can, yes, it keeps your. It's garments. like a garment bag that rolls up into can a duffel. Show so can you show the GB I, functionality? Can you whip yeah, it out give, like yeah, that? It, it, we'll have to cut this back into the episode. But yeah, I can probably do that. I can probably do that. Yeah, 
it's just yeah fantastic uh piece to take with you there yeah let me see if i can not screw this up too much hold please that was one of the things since we got ours i want to say i've had mine for several years and i was like oh, what do i need another duffel bag for and then i started playing with it and i was like oh, wait a minute this yeah. is not your average duffel bag no. this is the ultimate garment bag no it is okay i'm taking that stuff out taking that stuff out. i feel like you could have been more prepared i could have been absolutely but yeah then it just does this thing here and then you... and that's that's wild because that is actually the bag you just had yeah this is the bag and i just unzip it i got my dress shirt in there got everything and then it comes out, it's not wrinkled at all, whatever. You zip it back up, and then you got a bag for a couple, three, four days. It really is the ultimate garment bag, in, in, in my opinion. That, again, from our, our friends over at Stitch, we'll throw another link in the bottom on this episode, if that's something you're inclined. Take a look at. You might want to buy the shirt that I'm wearing or Tony's wearing. or mine, maybe a hat I, I or like two. mine better than yours, but it, it could be the lighting. I can't see the pattern. I have that shirt. That shirt is cool, too. But. Yeah. It. Probably looks better on me. But I like a good fine. pattern. I said that. I like, like a good pattern. pattern. Our Connor Lindemann, our soft good guy, he prefers a really bad pattern. But I, I it's not as good that. Each his own. All right. Thank you to those of you who stuck around. We're in the after show uh, portion of No Putts Given. We like to dive a little deeper. Get on the scuba gear. Scuba gear. That's right. <laughs> and we're going now. Get more technical. A little more detailed on a couple topics. So we're going to talk about the Apex Pro family a little bit more in depth. We're going to talk about T-Series, titles T-Series a little more in depth. And should we talk uh, the TaylorMade one as well? You want to go a little P790 more in depth? Well, you got it up right there, right? So yeah, I'm curious. They sent me a full set, three iron through wedge without faces. And I'm Given the way I've hit the ball with the irons lately, this actually may have stumbled on something. We have to might have to build these up and see how I do. <laughs> see what happens if see what happens when you hit a, hit a club without a face on it. We were, you know, I've heard some people talk. Oh, the shaft's not important. Balls are all the same. <laughs> so, the shaft is everything, and the face doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, well, let's let's start with that though. Let's dive into P seven ninety a little bit because you're making the argument before, and I think it's an interesting assertion of uh, kind of the standard or kind of what's become the benchmark, if you will, for this category of players, distance iron, which again, we'll go back. Let's save in just 10 years or so that category of clubs. Drop my tungsten. Again. It, you cannot hold on to tungsten to save your life. But again, who got there first? Okay. A uh, different argument, whatever, but you make an interesting argument of P790 as the archetypal player's distance hire. So tell me more about that, Tony. Why? Certainly that is TaylorMade's position, and this is one of those areas or times when I agree with them completely. Like you said, this category didn't exist really a decade ago for sure, and even probably eight, nine years from what yeah. I would consider the origin date. And in that time... That relatively short period of time, um, P790 is far and away the market leader in that category. So you could say based on that alone, maybe this is the, the prototype for the category. But the interesting feature or interesting thing to know is the player's distance iron, if you segment out the categories, is now the mm -hmm. second largest in the golf market. Really? Which is behind yeah, game just, improvement? 
Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, I would and assume. So I mean, that's pretty crazy. And then the other thing that is again before performance, just let's not talk about it for now. You have to assume it was it's there based on it. But we've done surveys, we've seen TaylorMade's data on this, and the thing mm-hmm. that is really impressive about this iron again within the market is the breadth of players who play it. We talked specifically in my call with TaylorMade about they found out there's like a plus four that's playing them. You know, that's lower than you would expect because again, not plus four isn't to say tour, but not a tour iron. It gets it's used on LPGA, but the spread is still legitimately from scratch to mid twenties. That that is who is buying P790. The wheelhouse is probably right around ten to twelve, but that is sure. the spread you get with this iron. And I would imagine it's probably when factoring in volume, real volume, the largest of any iron on the market. Yeah. And so it, it is that kind of that mass appeal within a growing category that kind of defines what it's meant to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. It really is that the thing that's intriguing to me about that category. And again, throw Mizuno's 225 or what's become that 225 model to the third model in, in that MP line. Everybody and, has it. It's just a case of whether or not you fill the cavity in or not at this point, or almost yeah. everybody has one. But it's become the one size fits most, right? Where it's, man, depending on that player, right? You can make a lot of arguments as to why somebody who is a scratch or two or three or four can, that may be the one that fits them. Particularly if what they need out of their game is a little bit more punch with the irons. They need a little bit more. There are plenty of golfers that are exceptional golfers, but they're not exceptional because they hit their nine iron 170 yards. They're not really high swing speed, high ball speed players. So players that are uber skilled can find a lot of love in, in that category all the way through. Maybe you take a player that has less skill in some other areas, but swings it pretty good, but needs just a little bit more forgiveness, but doesn't want something that has a ton of offset or whatever the case is. They can fit in at the other side of the spectrum maybe in that 10, 12, 14, 15 handicap area and everything in between. So you have, obviously we're talking players distance category. This is, yeah. the, this is the five iron here, right? So you're yeah. going to get distance and we know golfers want that throughout the back. Yeah. It's going to be maybe not as forgiving as a game improvement iron. Although that, even right. that category has shifted to being almost entirely about distance, but not as forgiving, but not, unforgiving by any means so a golfer who wants more speed maybe wants a little more forgiveness than he's going to get from a, mm-hmm. a cavity backer player style and then you get the this top line it's not the thinnest in golf but it's not thick it's not unwieldy and so no. you have this package that is staring down on it you could convince yourself that this is just a big blade right so it has right. that that right. look that almost everybody wants with performance that borrows from other categories so yeah mm-hmm. it makes sense and i, I have a feeling that it's going to continue to grow and become even a larger part of the market. So yeah, that's, and again, I think TaylorMade has positioned itself right now as the, as that prototype, the signature iron in the category. Maybe this one leans more towards distance and players, but for somebody who wants something a little smaller, 770 is right there. And number of thoughts going through my head. Let's bounce over to Callaway. We were talking about obviously the new Apex Pro family, and I want to key in on the weight bar that they use because that's, got me thinking about a couple other things, but the thing I really like that you pointed out was how it's really setting us up for here are the th- in, in a player series. Okay. And we're going to say apex pro 
you could take MP from Mizuno and get to JPX a whole different time because it's a different animal. But, you know, have these series and we see serious muscle back type iron where the entire, really the design emphasis is around creativity, shot making ability, maneuverability. It's a Ferrari stick shift. It's going to do exactly what you tell it to do for better or worse. One. The one in the middle is a balance, right? Really tries to be that balanced club for better players where it's, yeah, it's a cavity back. So there's some forgiveness, some perimeter weighting, but still retains a lot of the characteristics of your typical player's iron. Enough performance that, yes, you can pretty much hit any shot you want to with. It's not going to be overly forgiving or overly workable, but it's going to retain a really soft, solid, dense type of feel. Classic player's appeal without getting goofy, silly, overly aggressive. And then there's the third category, which is, okay, we want to spice things up here a little bit. We need to add something to boost ball speed, performance, somehow caffeinate the thing a little bit. And that's... Just, yeah, that's what you got with Cali. They boom, you got pro, you got CB, and you got muscleback. Yeah, and for me, it's always that middle one I'm looking at. It's like, why? I, and I get the need for a lot of companies and, and where it fits, but I'm like, I want the juice, maybe the speed, the forgiveness, whatever it happens to be out of that that third one, right? The whether you want to call it a, a small iron that that often flirts with the edge of the player's distance category. Or a big, more forgiving player's irons. That's where I gravitate. That's the stuff I love. So I'm looking at this and go, yeah, man. I'm all about Apex Pro. For mm-hmm. me, I struggle to find where the CB fits for me personally. But I'm, but at the same time, I'm like, mm. ooh, MB might like really nice in a nine <laughs> and in a pitching wedge, right? Where I'm not uh-huh. really worried about forgiveness. Where uh-huh. the loft is gonna loft is gonna drive a good bit of that equation. And maybe I want the workability. Yeah, well, that's a brilliant. I love the approach, and I'm glad that it's really caught on and you see it. So here's a question, and as much as I don't want to have to answer this question, it makes me think a little. Like you said, the call it that CB, the one in the middle, and I'm thinking about Titleist as well, where they've had a traditional MB and CB as a separate entity to the T series. You have CB, you have MB, CB, and then T, 150, 200, sorry, 100, 150, 200, 350. So arguably, right, six different sets of iron. Do we get to a point where there's a cannibalization and you go, from a performance standpoint, at least one or two of these has to go? We've seen, right, for now, Titleist, as you mentioned, has decided we're not going to make a new CB right now. We're going to not make a new MB right now. Right. And part of that is this shift in being strictly almost entirely performance driven. And as Titleist said, yeah, we could make a CB, but if we built all the performance that we want to have into that, we end it's up with a T100. T-100. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so, exactly. Like- so I understand in that respect, but I also understand that. There are golfers, 
some better golfers, some probably not better golfers who just want that kind of smaller profile CB. They want that, that true single piece design. Mm -hmm. And so like for that guy, it makes sense to have it. Mm -hmm. um, you probably don't need it. I'm not even sure how many of these Callaway has in play on tour. I would imagine the CB is, is going to be more popular there as well, but it is that flagship piece where everybody to an extent still needs one kicking around and, yeah. Yeah. I like the way this one looks. I do too. It's just, yeah, I'll be interested to see if that on. does any of these end up cannibalizing one to the point where it's okay. Whether that change, we ran into this with MP18 Mizuno. The split Remember, cavity was like, when why, they had the why SC we, and the NB and you looked, yeah. and basically there was so much overlap. It was like, you weren't getting any additional performance benefit out of the split cavity. What? Why do we do that? There is a, sort of a, an element of the size of the company at place. If you're Mizuno, mm -hmm. you don't want to waste you time. You really need to have distinct. Right, yeah. You don't <laughs> want to waste money on, on an iron that you're not going to sell a lot of that doesn't have a measurable performance advantage. Mm -hmm. If you're Callaway, again, I'm not saying it's it's not right for somebody anyway, but if sure. you're Callaway, just economies of scale you can afford to have an iron in the lineup that fills a very specific need even if it isn't like a huge seller each the company gets fair. to take a different approach so i'm good with all of it all right of the titleist irons the new ones which one do you think is most different from its previous generation before we just had 100 100s 200, 300, and now we have 100, 150, 200, 350. Given those, yeah, what would you say the, is the most changed? It's the 350 from going from the 300. It's, it's gone from this, its own thing that looked a little weird, looked more of a game improvement design. It didn't sound or feel particularly good, even by the kind of T-Series standards sure. at that time. Sure. To now... It's basically just a bigger T two hundred. I think is probably the way to describe it. It doesn't faster. look out of yeah. It doesn't look out of place in the lineup. It's just the bigger one mm -hmm. versus kind of this other thing that doesn't look like anything else. And again, that's all about being able to seamlessly blend the irons. Right? Yeah, yeah. The world uh, of the blended set. I think it, it's becoming yeah more of that norm and. To me, the other thing about the 350 is it it's a phenomenal example of dispelling the myths around loft jacking because you and I both had the exact same experience with it, which was in terms of static loft, the measured loft on the ground, right? It's the strongest lofted uh, of the series. However, we both generated our highest peak height, same shaft, everything else, our highest peak height with that particular club. In fact, I hit it too high to fit to fit the set that that we were trying to trying to create. So, it had the low <laughs> if any so you're going this whole geometry thing really does matter. Mass properties actually, you know. Yeah, it is matters. it is wild, right, for the fitter to go through the lineup with me in particular and go I really want to work on getting that peak height up. And so, let's get our strongest lofted iron so we can get there. And you're like, well, that doesn't really make sense with a sizable amount of tungsten stuffed in the bottom, the wider sole, all of these things that kind of pull weight down in the head. We talk about yeah. the difference between a static measurement and golf being a dynamic game. 
and you and I are not lacking for speed on a relative basis. No. Like we're not, we don't have tour speed, but we hold up against the market as a whole. And in both of our cases, we can activate that dynamic those dynamic properties yeah. and get that extra height. You For you, it was too much. For me, it was right where we wanted to be. And I'm in this iron that's radically different from anything I've played in the last few years. Pretty wild. Your internet is goofy. Plenty more to come. More releases, many more things. As always, if you have questions, ideas, hopes, dreams, post your comments below. Find us, follow us on the interwebs. Golf by T, Golf by C. Until then, we out.